This is Daniel Fagelli. You're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. We're covering an industry that we haven't covered in quite a while, and that is agriculture. The last time we covered agriculture, we covered AI for detecting the quality of soil. Today, we talk about much bigger picture applications, a broader kind of set of use cases where AI might bring to bear value for farmers and for the industries that depend on them. Our guest this week is Gregory Diamos. He's an engineering lead at Landing AI. Landing has raised over $50 million. It is run by Andrew Ng, who is one of the biggest names in the business AI world, the teacher of probably the most famous online course of AI, one that I went through myself on Coursera. He's also one of the co-founders of Coursera. So very prominent machine learning thought leader who has spun off a company focusing primarily on heavy industry and a variety of different heavy industry sectors, agriculture being one of them. Gregory worked with Andrew at the Baidu Silicon Valley AI Research Lab, which I visited myself some five long years ago. So he spent years with Andrew before Andrew spun up landing, and now he's with him there as well. Gregory speaks to us this week about the AI use cases in agriculture that he thinks are going to make the biggest impact in the years ahead. There's some great overview here of what might be done with actual physical machinery in agricultural context and just where the technology is headed generally that I hope will bring a lot of value to those of you folks who are tuned in. So without further ado, let's roll right into the episode. This is Gregory Diamos with Landing AI here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Greg, I know we're going to talk about artificial intelligence in agriculture. Obviously, at Landing, you folks are thinking about this space, among among others. And you and I had talked off mic about the acquisition of Blue River Technologies by John Deere. Maybe you could give us a sense as to maybe why that you see that acquisition is significant and also what the company was doing, because I know you're pretty excited about their use case. Yeah, absolutely. I'm extremely excited about this space. So looking at Blue River, it's actually a very interesting story. Startup company spun out of uh, various places. One of them was a uh, AI and robotics groups at Stanford. They went through this really interesting process where they they basically realized that AI is getting really good at vision. So the new ability that we're getting from emerging AI technology is the ability for computers and AI algorithms to see people, um, and this is something they couldn't do before. So uh, the Blue River use case is actually really interesting. So what they're doing is, they've talked about this publicly uh, a lot. They have cameras, and they're going to attach them to a, a device that's that's called a sprayer. So the, the sprayer device, basically, you think about it as a big machine that you drive over your field of crops. And you use it to either deliver pesticide to weeds, or you can also use it to deliver fertilizer to the, the plants that you want to grow. Before you have uh, vision technology that works really well, the way you approach this is, I don't know, I think you can call this spray and pray. You just spray everything because, you know, there's just too many plants, it's too labor intensive. It's impossible, you know, if you can't see, if the machine can't see, to tell the difference between a weed, you know, and and the crop that you're trying to grow. But now we have AI technology uh, where vision works really well. Computers can see like people. So it's really easy for this technology to see the difference between a crop and a weed. And so, The system is actually really interesting where it has a camera that's actually um, looking down, you know, at the plants as this giant machine is driving over the field. And then it has this, so it's going to detect whether somewhere in the field of view, where is the, where is a plant, where is a, or where's a crop, where is a weed. And then it's going to point the sprayer at it and decide whether to fire the sprayer or not. And so in this way, you can save, you know, the total amount of pesticide or, or fertilizer you have to use is a lot less. You don't get damaging effects. You can just target exactly what you want. 
you know, not spraying your, your crops with pesticide it actually has health benefits. Uh, so, you know, it's actually a very interesting use case. And I, I think it's really the tip of the iceberg. The agriculture industry relies heavily on automation. Um, so we rely heavily on big, especially mechanical devices yep. to help perform work. It's just really labor intensive to feed the whole world. It sure um, is. It sure is. Yeah. So, you know, the, the trend I, I see going forward that I'm, I'm really excited about is, you know, if Blue River is one example of you can imagine what these machines can be like if they can see like people and they can make intelligent decisions themselves. So I, I think there's many more beyond that. And, and we've actually seen, you know, at Landing AI, quite, quite a lot of applications of, of AI and agriculture that are highly valuable, that, that leverage this idea of vision finally works. Yeah, I, I, you know, the ones that come to mind, Greg, and maybe you could expand it. I mean, you know, I've seen, we've written articles about robots for picking. Now, of course, picking is rather challenging because you don't require that much dexterity to do spraying, right? I mean, thank goodness we don't, you know, need incredibly nuanced proprioception to spray something. Uh, but you kind of do if you're going to pick strawberries. There's a way to grow them so that it's like in a certain line where robots can access them, but sort of questionable as to whether we want to do that. You know, what, what kind of what kind of fruits and vegetables could we grow in a robot pickable way? In other words, where dexterity is limited. That jeepers, that's hard. Jeepers, that's hard. Because that's more than just vision. And and then then we've got other vision stuff around satellites, right? Where we can look at how rainfall affects things or what we think the relative crop health or, or yield estimates could be in different areas based on sort of what the yield actually was and then what the pictures look like from up above. What are examples of vision for you in terms of this being kind of uh, in, in terms of new capabilities unlocked? You're seeing it as tip of the iceberg. Uh, in what regard? I can see a great many, a great many uh, splinters it could go into. Yes. And actually, when I first started looking at this, you know, you, you jump to these Im immediate examples of, you know, picking fruit, you know, seems like it's something that clearly leverages vision, something you could potentially automate if you have robotics that, that works well. It's pretty hard to do that one, you know, as, as you is, mentioned, uh, fine motor control, you know, dexterity, human hands are actually pretty good. Um, They're amazing. You know, yeah, all, yeah uh, amazingly good. So the, the more I looked into it, the, the more I realized, uh, you know, that's, that's part of it, but the, the complete picture is a lot bigger than that. And there are actually some probably easier wins that can be achieved earlier. So one trend, which I think is, is really important, is just to realize, um, to just go back and look at the history of automation in agriculture, and especially if we're focusing on, you know, if we're looking along the lines of, of things like Blue River, where basically we're taking a machine sprayer, you know, in that case, and we're adding a vision capability. The idea there is that, you know, maybe you can accelerate more or make more precise, make better decisions. If you look at the history of agriculture automation, one thing I realized about it is it's quite a lot of it is about productivity. So the, the starting point is, you know, just a human doing the work manually, you know, maybe with the assistance of a tool, you can add livestock, you know, one of the major trends is adding livestock, you know, you get a productivity boost, human plus a gang of horses or yeah, you yeah. Know, an ox is, is better than a human. Yeah, yeah. But mechanical engineering, like the internal combustion engine was really important there. You know, the productivity boost of a human plus tractor, human plus sprayer, human plus, you know, internal combustion engine driven plow is far higher than a human doing the work themselves. So I, I think when we just look at it from that perspective, and we say we, we already have these machines, you know, powered by primarily internal combustion engines that do a lot of the heavy lifting, do quite a lot of very diverse tasks, actually. I think the, the interesting thing is, um, you know, what changes in a world where these machines can see like people? And if you just go through, you know, all of these machines, you know, it's actually a very large industry. And you just look at all these machines, every single one that we've looked at 
seems like you know they're, they're actually very large opportunities. So one uh, specific example we looked at was uh, we looked at harvester machines. Basically, har harvester machines are trying to kind of drive over the field and separate the wheat from the chaff, you know, actually get the part of the plant that you want out of the field. These machines actually, if you give them the ability to see, you know, rather than kind of just blindly chopping the plant, they can actually see it. You can also look at the end results. So you can look at, you know, immediately with a camera, a camera can look at uh, the crop being harvested yeah. and, you know, understand, is it working well? You know, are you missing a whole bunch of the, the crop? Are you uh, chopping it in half? Actually, the, these machines are pretty, um, you know, sophisticated and they have a lot of parameters. So you, you can actually, by just using vision, like just being able to inspect, you know, what's ahead of the machine um, and what's going on inside of the machine, you can tune and improve the efficiency, like improve the speed, improving productivity, um, also improving the quality, identifying any quality problems immediately as they happen and then automatically correcting them. And so you're saying vision being used sort of as sort of maybe before this chopping is occurring or maybe even after the chopping is occurring so we can understand, hey, are we really maximizing, you know, the harvest from what this one pass, you know, how well did this pass go for us? And we can take a look at the before and after picture and sort of potentially even come up with some kind of a, some kind of an assessment or score that humans or the system itself can sort of calibrate to and get better and better at so that we're always more efficient at harvesting whatever that crop is. Is this maybe the vision that things might shift into? So it's just it's just a one example of, of many yeah. how you can think about yeah re redesigning these machines if if only they can see like people. I actually think one of the longer term trends here that you know we're building towards is the ability to automate quite a lot of the uh, components of operating these machines. So currently, you know, you still need an operator. So you still actually have to have someone who's driving this. Um, it boosts their you know the productivity of that operator, but. You know, if you can actually automate quite a lot of the things that that operator is doing, then you save a lot of the operator's time. So you actually start getting the ability for maybe a single operator or maybe a team of remote operators to pilot a lot of machines simultaneously. So if we look at productivity per person or just the, the speed of doing work, the efficiency of doing work, also the quality of doing work, you know, we can actually, actually you know, it might, it might seem like uh, initially small gains, but you know, as we get the ability to pilot multiple machines or have single humans kind of doing the work of, you know, five or 10 other people, we actually get to uh, very large gains. Got it. So for you, another trend here, in addition to what we've just articulated is sort of maybe taking people out of the physical cockpits of these various and sundry devices moseying about the farm? Yes, I, I think they're related. So the first example, you know, the quality inspection, the tuning the machine parameters, it's done by a person currently. So currently, you know, if the driver of a harvester wants to determine, you know, is the quality of the crop good, you know, they might actually get out and go back and inspect in the back and, and look to see if it's working correctly. They might adjust the machine parameters. So that, that attention, they need to use their eyes to perform that task. You know, we're basically automating that task. And now with vision, we have the ability to automate that task. If we get a lot more tasks, you know, we, we can increase this degree of automation over time. Got it. And, uh, separate and in, in so doing separate the wheat from the chaff literally i don't think i've ever been able to use outside of uh, an analogy context so that's a general trend that's happening here it seems to me greg and tell me if i'm wrong maybe we can close out on this point that adoption in agriculture to you know a great extent will involve a lot of different factors and forces here one of which is just experimentation to different kinds of applications some of those applications are going to require new hardware, not not just computing hardware, but new 
new kinds of machines uh, that, that maybe are purpose-built to look first, cut second, as opposed to whatever the ever-loving heck they do now. Or, you know, and, and that's one example, right? That, that if we add vision and, and it's robust, um, we, we might imagine modifications that are significant to, to all kinds of different machines um, around the farm, maybe even to some degree we would need to have the, the big industrial farms have some degree of in-house data science talent to understand how to tune, tweak, and move with these things? Or, or do, you, do you see, let's say, 98% of the progress being vendors making the AI invisible? Or do you see the big ag companies developing in-house talent to, to start to co-create some of this stuff like we might see in banking or we might see in you know, insurance or other sectors where you know, both, both sides are pushing towards innovation. How do you think it'll, it'll shake out in, in agriculture? I think it's going to be essential for the big players to develop an AI capability. And I, I think the, if we could look at the John Deere acquisition of Blue River as, as a first step in that direction. One trend that I think is extremely important that big vendors can leverage that that's harder to do um, otherwise, is if you, if you think about the existing fleet that you have. So all the examples I've talked about so far have been focused on individual machines. It's actually really powerful if you can focus on the entire fleet. So if you actually have the ability for the entire fleet to see, basically there arise a lot of uh, new opportunities for precision agriculture, where you can take into account regional variation, uh, you can take into account historical information to basically make better decisions. I actually think, just like we've seen in the internet space, you know, companies who have platforms that can reach a very large number of users, you know, have a very powerful mechanism to take feedback from their entire set of users and then use that to improve their products yes. in a really automated way, leveraging big data and data analytics and AI. And I expect this trend to you know, play out exactly the same in this space. You used vendor adequately there. I mean, you know, John Deere, not really a farming company, right? I mean, John Deere is a vendor company. They, they sell equipment to farmers. You know, we have big companies like JP Morgan. They're not a banking vendor. They're, they're a doggone bank. Slice it up, slice it down, slice it sideways. That's what they are. Uh, they have a lot of different functions, but, but that's what they are. But even they are, are actually investing in the tech. They are hiring AI talent. Clearly, the John Deere's of the world are going to be leveling up their services, and they're going to want to win the same kind of gains that, let's say, an AI vendor might garner, you know, as you've mentioned here, you know, across their whole band of users. Will it ever get to a point when, you know, big Midwestern industrial farms, I mean, you know, multi-billion dollar outfits themselves as farming sort of organizations begin leveraging this talent? Or will they simply be interacting with the smart upgraded vendors, the John Deere's of the world, the other bigger ag tech players of the world and kind of selecting the right stuff and really handling the tech as if it's just software, not as if it's AI, not as if it it's going to involve all the complexities of that stuff. Do you, do you think that that capability will be built in, in farms or, or more, more exclusively in the vendor ecosystem uh, that will then just spread out into farmers? So I'm, I'm not actually sure, Dan, but I think one trend that I've seen for big farms, and, and this is actually a trend that kind of predates uh, just, just AI, but uh, I think a trend has been towards increased automation. And so I, I do think that uh, some big farms, and, and actually we've seen this in tech space very bleeding edge, you know, examples of indoor farming or completely, you know, completely automated farms that run like a factory. I do think that as, you know, as we take steps in that direction, that we'll find opportunities for process improvements for, you know, examples like visual inspection or um, AI for, for automation, like control automation, even as a big farm. So I, I, I think I'm not entirely sure, but I, I think big farms should view this as, you know, an enabling technology for automation. If they're already taking steps to pursue like a higher degree of automation, then 
this is a technology that's emerging that can help. There's no doubt about that. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the innovation spurns from, you know, the farms themselves, maybe on some degree, particularly the big ones, the vendors, et cetera, but clearly a space rife with opportunity. I think the Blue River example is a, a really cool gateway to thinking about how many other processes will be changed. And I'll be excited to follow your work over there at Landing and see where you guys take it in the years ahead. Greg, I know that's all we have for time on this use case episode, but thank you again for being able to join us on the show. Thank you, Dan. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thanks to Gregory for being able to join us. And thank you to you, our listener, for tuning in. If you've benefited from some of what you've learned here on the podcast over the course of the last few years, it would mean the world if you'd leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We've used podcast feedback as the most important way to improve our editorial calendar for audio content over the years. And in terms of format changes and the kinds of guests that we've selected, a lot of those ideas come straight from reviews and straight from LinkedIn conversations with listeners like you. So you can find me on LinkedIn, just Daniel Fagella, F-A-G-G-E-L-L-A. Feel free to ping me a note. Let me know about any recent episodes you've heard, any great nuggets that you listen to, any guests you might suggest. And again, if you've really liked the show, consider leaving us a review because not only does it help other folks learn about the podcast and help us grow, but also it's a big feedback loop for us to continue to make the show good for you. So thanks again for tuning in. I look forward to catching you in the next episode here in the AI and Business Podcast.